Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. Good morning. Oh, thank you, Dom. Dom's on it. Look at this. Uh, Before I begin, just a reminder, we do have notebooks and Bibles down here at the front. So please feel free to come and grab one if you haven't got one with you today. Um, They're just here. Don't be afraid to come and get one. Uh, And as you've probably realised, I'm going to be continuing our series in Mark. Oh, John, well done. Alan's awake. Alan's awake. I did actually practice that joke. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, So uh, I'm really, um, and I know I say this to everybody I speak to, but I am loving our study into John. You know, we're called to be Christ-like, aren't we? We're called to be, we call ourselves Christians, little Christs, Christ-like. And how best can we learn to be Christ-like than by studying the life of Christ. And so I'm really, really um, feel like I'm just getting so much out of this. Fresh revelations weekly of who Jesus is and was, who I am through Jesus and who the Father is from we're learning about Jesus. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely, absolutely loving it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, wonderful God, What a joy it is to exalt you this morning through everything. God, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that you would open our hearts, that you would bring us fresh revelations, that you would challenge us. God, that each of us would hear your voice this morning and learn something more of you and what that means in our lives. Amen. You might remember when I spoke on John chapter 5, I said that really was the beginning of the opposition of Jesus. That kind of marked the beginning of people kind of not being so sure about Jesus. And we've seen that build and build and build since reading John 5. More and more people opposing Jesus, threatening Jesus, saying that he's demon-possessed and that his miracles aren't true, that um, they want him to be killed. They're trying to find the leaders, the rulers are trying to find a lawful way to have this man killed. This opposition is growing and growing. But so as this opposition is growing, so is the following of Jesus growing. So we've seen both of these things grow and grow. And this is really useful context for John 10, because John 10 is Jesus talking about good leadership, good shepherds, good people, And this is the background that he's kind of speaking from, that the leaders of the time are opposing him, are throwing stones at him, are trying to trip him up, find any way to get rid of this man. And then Jesus comes and he talks about what it means to be a good leader, a good person, a good shepherd. And so again, to understand John chapter 10, it leads directly on from John 9. So I'm going to summarise because uh, we've all slept since last Sunday. Uh, so John 9, there's a blind man and Jesus heals him. Jesus heals him on the Sabbath. And then the uh, Pharisees and religious leaders find out about this and they call um, this once was blind, now healed man, uh, into uh, his parents, first of all, into the synagogue to, to interrogate them. They want to find out what's happened. They don't believe him. Were you really blind? Was he definitely blind as a child? They're trying to find out what's going on. 
We read in John 9, uh, 28, it says, they hurled insults at this man. They hurled insults at him. And then in 34, verse 34, it says that they threw him out. They threw him out. And then Jesus finds out about this, comes to find this man. And because Jesus isn't just concerned with this man's physical healing, he also brings a spiritual healing. He opens his spiritual eyes so that this man can see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God. And this conversation is going on. Um, I imagine at this point there's a bit of a crowd gathering because there's probably been a bit of a kerfuffle if they threw somebody out. You know, that would cause a stir. And Jesus is there and people are interested in Jesus. And then John chapter 10 is just is Jesus' response to this. So it leads directly on um, from what's happening. And uh, there's not much talk in the Bible. The word leadership isn't used very often. Uh, we don't see the word leadership very often in the Bible. But what we do know is that God used shepherds a lot to be leaders. So if you were a shepherd in those days, you were in good company. David was a shepherd, King David. Moses was a shepherd and Jacob was a shepherd. God had a habit of using shepherds to be leaders. So this is a good place for us to start. Shepherds, um, shepherds, their job was to care for their flock. So they had a flock, some sheep that they knew that were theirs to look after. They would feed them, lead them, guide them, protect them. That was their job. It wasn't a high-paying, high-ranking job. It wasn't necessarily a job that people sought after because it was quite dangerous. And yet... Many, many times throughout the Bible, God uses shepherds um, as analogies for leadership and for care. You know, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. There's so many times throughout the Bible that God uses uh, this imagery with a shepherd. And the people at the time, this would have made sense to them. Everyone knew what a shepherd did. Everyone knew what a shepherd's job was. So this made sense to talk about shepherds in this context. So here we go, John 10. As you can see, this is called the shepherd and his flock. From verses two to four, we can actually pick up five things about a shepherd and their flock. Five things to help, again, build that image of a good shepherd. So five characteristics of a good shepherd. In verse 2, it says this, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Okay? So the shepherd has nothing to hide. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. You know, in those days... Um, and maybe even still now for people that um, are shepherds and have their own sheep, um, you could have a distinctive call and your sheep knew that that was you as the shepherd calling your sheep. So even if there were, say, three flocks in a field, you could go to that field, you could give your distinctive call and your sheep would follow you. The sheep had learnt the voice of the shepherd. And then continuing in verse 3, it says this, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Not only do the sheep know the shepherd, but the shepherd knows the sheep. Now, sheep to me all kind of look pretty much the same. <laughs> you know, well, you can get black sheep and get white sheep, I guess. You know, there's, there is a difference there. But um, a lot of them do look 
look quite similar, but actually a shepherd would know the sheep by looking at them. And, you know, just as we have names for our cats, dogs and fish, shepherds would have had names for their sheep. So the shepherd would know each sheep by name and be able to distinguish which one was which. And then in verse 4, it says, When he has brought out all of his own, Okay, we're going to pause there. The shepherd doesn't leave any of his own behind. The shepherd gathers all of their sheep before they move on. And the second half of that verse, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The shepherd leads the sheep and goes ahead of them, leading the way, making sure that the way is safe and clear and right. The shepherd goes ahead. So these are some fantastic characteristics of a shepherd. You can see why, you know, Jesus is saying that uh, it's it, that shepherds are good leaders because these are all characteristics that we would want to see in leaders, right? But not just leaders, not just pastors of churches. This is for all of us. We're all called to be Christ-like. Jesus declares himself Later on in John 10, I am the good shepherd. If we're called to be like Christ, then we too are called to be like good shepherds. So this isn't just for leaders, this is for all of us. Now after reading that, I feel that, and I hope you agree with me, that the world could do with some more shepherds. The world could do with some more shepherds. Less stars, more shepherds. Less corruption, more protection less greed, more care. The world could do with more shepherds, right? Or we can be the answer to that. Let's learn some more. Uh, I I love how Jesus does this in verse six. He thinks that maybe people aren't quite understanding him. So he's like, right, this needs to be clear. I'm going to make it clear for you all. And then verse seven, he says this. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. All who enter through me will be saved. This is interesting, isn't it? Because we've been talking about shepherds and then Jesus says, I am the gate. It's like, what? Okay, you're the gate for the shepherd, for the sheep. And you can, I don't know if you can see here, there's a picture of what a sheep pen looks like. Um, So when a shepherd at night would lead their sheep, their flock, into a pen, um, it would be into something like this. So quite high walls. um, And as you can see, one way in and one way out. Okay, and so Jesus is saying, I am this gate, okay? To be in my flock, there is one way in, and that is through me. There is one way into the flock of the Father, and that is through Jesus. We have the um, blessing of hindsight, or we have the blessing of the whole story. We know what is to come. We know that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. We know that Jesus laid down his life so that we can come into relationship with the Father. That upon confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we can walk through that gate. Jesus is saying, I am the gate into the flock. Which is interesting. So we're going to skip back now to verse 1. 
It says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is saying, if somebody's trying to climb up the side of that sheep pen, they're no good. You don't want them. They're not going to make it into the flock. There's only one way in. And actually, maybe Jesus at this point is pointing towards the leaders of the day. Leaders who have maybe earned their positions through education, through connection, through finance, rather than going through the gate of salvation, rather than submitting to the shepherd and becoming part of the flock. Who knows that if someone's trying to get into your house in any way other than the door, you probably don't want them to be coming in, right? It's just like that. Thieves and robbers. And what we've also seen here is the first of the two I am statements that Jesus makes in John 10. I am the gate. Imagine being this blind man who's now healed, no longer blind, who is hearing this. He has just been thrown out by the religious leaders of the day, thrown out of the synagogue. And here is Jesus saying, now you know who I am. You are in my flock. You are no longer an outcast who's been thrown out. You are part of my flock. How powerful that must have been and how powerful that is for each of us to remember that we are no longer outcasts, that if we have confessed that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour, that we are part of his flock. And then um, verses 9 and 10. Very famous verse, John 10, 10. I am the gate. All who enter through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10, famous verse for a reason. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Again, Jesus is showing this juxtaposition of the leaders of the day who are maybe saying um, you must do this you must do that if you're saying this then you're out you know Jesus is saying I have come that you may have life and have it to the full and then in verse 11 we see the second of these I am statements I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Who thinks we need some more shepherds in this world? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, we have, we know the full story. We know what is to come. Jesus is talking about what is to happen. I will lay my life down for my flock. But also, again, using this sheep pen, this worked as a a great analogy at the time because at night, when the shepherd had led the flock into the pen, there was no physical gate. The shepherd became the gate. The shepherd would lie in the gap so that anything that was trying to come and kill the animals, anybody who might be coming to try and steal the animals would have to get through the shepherd first. The shepherd formed the physical barrier between the flock and what is trying to harm them. 
Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd. I lay my life down in that gap between good and safety and comfort and evil and the things that are coming to, to kill and destroy. I lay my life down in that gap to protect my sheep. How fortunate are we to know this truth this morning? So not only is Jesus saying, I am the way into the flock, I am the gate, but also I am the one that will lead you, guide you, protect you, feed you, provide for you. I will watch you at night. I'll be with you when you are awake. Again, in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. You know, that those two verses really stuck out to me this week. Those words, just as. Jesus is saying, just as I know the Father and the Father knows me, so I know my sheep. I know my flock. Just like we said before that the shepherd knew the sheep by looking at them. Which sheep was which? Jesus knows us by looking at us. Just as Jesus knows God. Just as Jesus knows the Father. A fantastic, fantastic revelation. And then he says in verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Again, he's pointing towards what is to come. You know, it's... <laughs> looking back now it's a surprise that the Pharisees were still trying to plot the death of Jesus when he is very clearly saying this was always the plan <laughs> you think you're trying to throw overthrow me you think you're trying to get rid of me but this was God's plan from the beginning you think it's your plan it's God's plan and yet people don't realize what he's saying saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but I am going to take my life back up again. It's written out so clearly as to what is to come. And yet, we don't pick up on it. And then verses 19 through to 21. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? a wonder that the heavens didn't open at that exact moment with anguish and anger and sadness and pain that things are being said like about God that he is demon possessed that he's raving mad don't listen to him but then we see this but others said these are not the sayings of someone possessed by a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind 
So we're really seeing that representation of these two sort of groups of people, the people that are, nah, I don't think this is true. This isn't the Messiah. This isn't the Savior that we were promised. And then the second group of people are going, I don't know. I don't know. Can anybody just do what he's done? Can anybody just heal? No. No, I think there's more to this man. There are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. So far in our journey, we have heard four of them. The first one, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 35. And that's from the feeding of the 5,000. The second one, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. John 8, 12. And then the two we've heard today, I am the gate for the sheep. All who enter through me will be saved. John 10, 9. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. We're really starting to build this picture of Jesus. Jesus is our provider, our sustainer. Jesus is the light of the world that we never walk alone when he is with us. That Jesus is the way into a relationship with the Father and that Jesus will lay his life down for his sheep. So you'll have to keep an eye out for the next three I am statements as we continue on our journey. What the world needs now and more shepherds. There's a wonderful quote from Pope Francis. He says this, instead of being shepherds, this um, bit of context, he said this to uh, a, a gathering of leaders within the Catholic Church. He said, instead of being shepherds living with the smell of sheep, this is what I ask of you, be shepherds with the smell of sheep. This is what we are also called to do. We are called to be shepherds that foster, shepherds that adopt, shepherds that open up our homes, that clothe and feed and love, shepherds that give sacrificially of what we have, of what we have in our homes, of the food on our tables, shepherds to protect to stand up and be the voice for the voiceless. Shepherds to look out for the one that is missing. We are called to be shepherds. We are called to nurture. We are called to guide and to lead. What the world needs now are more shepherds. We need shepherds in parliament we need shepherds in the Ukraine. We need shepherds in Russia. We need shepherds in Iran. We need shepherds in Pakistan. We need shepherds. We need more shepherds. People who will lead from a place of care and integrity. People in their workplaces who will work with integrity and care and love. Shepherds of families who will look out for their sheep, who will pray for them, lead them, guide them. What the world needs now are more shepherds. We need shepherds in Newark. 
We need shepherds in schools. We need shepherds in our hospitals and in our healthcare system. We need shepherds everywhere. And you know why we can do it? Because we know the truth of what we have. That when we give sacrificially, we have a shepherd who provides. That when we love when it hurts, we have an abundance of never-ending love that we can draw on. When we choose to open up our homes, we know that we have a shepherd who provides. When we stand up for the oppressed, when we are the voice for the voiceless, we know that we have a champion who prays for us. I'm pretty sure if um, anybody could be shepherds, it's us. Because we have the example of the good shepherd. And ultimately, we are sheep in his flock. Drawing people in, showing them the way, pointing them to the gate, that they too can live in peace and safety in abundance, in comfort. I don't mean physical comfort. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But eternal comfort. And as Jesus points towards what is to come, his death, his resurrection, defeating death, As Jesus points towards all of these things, we get to live in the knowledge of what that means. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we read of your word, something new and different comes out to us. Thank you that you speak to us always. We thank you for the son. We thank you for his life, for his resurrection, for the way he lived, that we can learn to be more like him. And Lord, as we try to be even a small part of the example of Jesus in our lives. Would we remember that you are with us always to the very end of the days, that you are our provider, that you are the light of the world that goes with us into darkness, that you are the way to the Father and that you have laid your life down for us, that we may have life and have it to the full. And God, I pray that within each of us, you would stir a heart for people around us that need a good shepherd. God, in whatever sphere, in whatever circle of life that is, Would you point it out to us? Would you make it clear?
Help us, God, to love sacrificially. Help us, God, to give to those around us. Help us, God, to open our homes. And Lord, as we know so many people are feeling overwhelmed and afraid, God, help us to trust in you. And that when we hear you calling us, that we would respond. Help us not to turn insular at this time when we need to be looking out. Help us to be brave. Help us to trust. Knowing that you are our provider. Thank you, God. And Lord, I pray that in Newark, we would see a quiet revolution of shepherds. Quietly leading, quietly providing, quietly pointing to you, leading people into your flock. Help us to be that revolution of good shepherds pointing towards the good shepherd. Amen. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.